This is Homebuyer Talk Radio with your host, Mark Evinger. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Homebuyer Talk Radio, a show that connects homebuyers, home sellers, and homeowners to some of the best small businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about how to avoid some of the biggest problems homeowners encounter when painting their home. And we're going to talk about going on the offensive to keep raccoons, squirrels, rats, and other animals out of your house. In studio with us today is Charles Levis, a home renovation expert and the owner of Renovate Paint and Design. Charles, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Always a pleasure. Also in studio with us today is first-time guest Daniel Sayers, an integrated pest and wildlife management expert and the owner of Wildlife X Team here in the San Antonio area. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mark, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Interesting background you have. So you've done, you said, voiceover work yes. out of L.A., mm-hmm. like acting type stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Back, back in the day. So this is kind of like that? or Have you ever done radio before or is this the first time? Yes, I have. Yeah. I mean, when I was in high, in college, we also, I wasn't going for a communications degree. So I worked for the news student newspaper and then we also would do, you know, radio classes as well. So we would basically watch a football game and broadcast it. You know, okay. Like, so I've been in front of a mic. So you're an expert then. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've spoken in front of one more. <laughs> All right. Excellent. A quick reminder for our listeners that you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at homebuyertalkradio.com. Also on our website is a list of recurring guests on our show, which helps a lot if you didn't catch their contact information during the segment. The show reaches thousands of listeners each month on radio here in the greater San Antonio area and thousands more on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram where you'll find short video clips from the show. So be sure you're following our social media. You can go to homebuyertalkradio.com, click on any of those social media links, um, and you get hooked up that way. All right, so first up on the show is Charles Levelis, a home renovation expert and the owner of Renovate Paint and Design. So when it comes to painting the interior of the home, I might think I'm an expert, right? But that's not always the case, right? There's things we don't anticipate. So what are some of the biggest problems homeowners are dealing with out there that we're not thinking about? Right now, uh, there's a little bit of a labor shortage. So uh, trying to get a team moving forward so quickly like within the first week that you want them, is very difficult to do, especially if the team is popular and has a great uh, a great background in what they're doing. You'll find that there are fly-by-night teams that can come in immediately. Try not to do that. Otherwise, preparation is the other key. If the team is preparing your house to protect all your furnishings, that is key to any great paint job. Sure. So, uh, you know, somebody who might be kind of in business and out of business, you know what I mean? It's like a groups, not necessarily even companies, right, but just like painting teams, they may be able to get the work done, but there's more to it than that, right? I mean, there's there's a lot more we should expect from this process. Yes, there is. When uh, a team comes into your house, you'll know that they're professional immediately if they are actually doing a half-day preparation before they even touch paint. And so immediately you understand that. Also, is there a project manager or is it just the paint team there? So Make sure you have a project manager that's going to be responsible for your home. Okay, because there's things that can get missed. There's, like, say, let's talk about preparation just a little bit. So what kind of things should we expect uh, when it comes to preparing a space for, like, say, you're going to paint in a kitchen area, but the rest of the house or there's other areas of the house that can be affected as well if you're not prepping. Correct. So always uh, have a paint team put down plastic everywhere, whether it's on the cabinets, on the countertops, uh, furniture, flooring. And if there are any drywall repairs, sheetrock damage, then you know that immediately when they're doing the repairs, there's going to be micro dust floating everywhere. So you have to consolidate and uh, shield off a room with plastic also. 
right? Because especially if you have like expensive furniture, mm-hmm. you know, you have carpet. Or uh, even tile and grout. Uh, if you have sheetrock dust getting into the grout lines, it's extremely difficult to get it out. Okay. And what's the problem with having dust, sheetrock dust in your grout lines? The sheetrock dust is, of course, white. And most grout lines are not white. So all of a sudden you get a milky, cloudy substance that gets into the pores of the grout. The grout is not smooth, so it will absorb, and you can't just wash it out. Okay, so what do you need to do to get that stuff out of the grout lines? Uh, typically you call in a person who's experienced in that field. Really? And they use high-pressure steam, and they're able to actually suck that out. Okay. All right, yeah, that would be a problem. So if, if you've got a kitchen that's next to a living area... How important is it to really cover that furniture? Is, is the dust that really, is that really a problem? Whether you're doing remodeling or painting, there's a micro dust that will float. And even when covering, you still have to come back with static clean cloths to wipe things down. It's just amazing how after you've picked up all your supplies, all the stuff that's protecting, that that dust will gather within the next hour or two. So it's uh, good to have a team come in and do a, a thorough cleaning afterwards. Okay, because that stuff will get on your clothes. It's being breathed in. Is that a problem? Yes. Uh, Typically, if you're into a home environment that has a lot of uh, damage on the drywall, you ask the homeowner to leave, and then you open up all the windows. You also have uh, devices that will purify the air. Okay, gotcha. All right, and that's not something that maybe every team is equipped to do, right? that's correct. But an educated homeowner may should be looking for that, I would think. Correct. Right? So we can avoid those long-term issues. I just wanted my kitchen painted. Now I've got all these other problems that are going on. i got to get my grout cleaned. i got to get my furniture cleaned. My kid's sneezing all the time. Hopefully not with the right team. Every time I sit <laughs> on the couch, I come up white. I don't know what the deal is, you know. So, yeah, those are things to think about. Um, so when you say protect the countertops, is there – so we've got granite countertops. Is there something we should be aware of there? Well, the granite countertops, you don't want teams standing using the granite as a ladder, number one. But if the team is protecting the countertops, you don't have to worry. But if your countertops uh, need to be polished and cleaned, then there are people who can come in and do a stone sealer or polish the stone. Why would they need to be polished and cleaned? Let's say there's uh, many times uh, homeowners will drop a pan, get a crack or something like that. Uh, typically, a stone manufacturer, one a person who cuts stones, can come in and make those lines disappear, and it looks smooth and polished again. Okay. And the stone uh, sealer actually seals up natural stone. Okay. So, but as far as a paint company coming in, mm-hmm. they're going to cover it with just like regular plastic? or what? Plastic, paper, and drop cloths. You don't want anything going wrong. Right, right. That's a smart idea. Now, what about... I mean, obviously, we've got outlets we need to protect as well, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys actually remove those outlets, or do you just We remove them? the exterior covers and then tape off the plugs and switches Okay, perfect. as part of our preparation. Ceiling fans are wrapped in plastic, and light uh, pictures that are hanging are wrapped in plastic also. What do you do about recess lighting? Recess lighting, you just go ahead and put uh, plastic and tape around the ring of the light, and that uh, sufficiently guards it. Okay, perfect. All right, good. All right, um, so... If somebody is going to hire your company, for example, what's that customer experience? What's the workflow that happens there? Well, first you do an estimate and discuss pricing. Now, interior painting is not exactly inexpensive. It can be expensive, especially if you're changing colors or changing the sheen of the paint. You'd have to do two coats. So that's what you discuss with the homeowner first. Then after that, you go ahead and do a color consult. And that's what's going to go where and which rooms, how's it going to coordinate. And at that moment, 
if you're in agreement and they sign a contract, you send your project manager in with the team to set up properly and do inspections daily. Okay, and the homeowner's going to have a good idea of what that, what's going to happen, right? How long it's going to take, what the expectations Absolutely. are on the homeowner, right? Because it could be mm-hmm. different. So if the, if the homeowner's going to be, or if you're going to paint like the kitchen, then obviously they can't be in the kitchen area. So if the That's project, correct. does it usually take like one day or is it a couple day process? It depends on uh, the project itself. If it's just the kitchen, yes, you have to tell the homeowner you won't have service of your kitchen. Let's say we're doing all the cabinets. Uh, stain to a paint, that means the cabinets have a varnish and a stain on them. Then you have to go through a four-step process to get them to a painted process or a painted surface. And that way you tell the homeowner, the project manager and the sales staff are all trained to prep the homeowner what to expect. You know, go ahead and eat out for a while. And that's usually a four- or five-day process to get cabinets changed from a stained to a painted surface. Okay. All right. Wow. Well, that's so good to know that going in because it might think, well, you're just going to have it done in a day. I mean, it's in and out. But you guys actually walk them through that journey so that they know. And then, of course, cleanup. So um, is cleanup a fairly simple process when you're – No, usually when you're – and we call it backing out of a project – what you do is all the touch-ups first, then start the cleanup of the paper, plastic, et cetera. Bring in the shop vacs and do the wipe down of furniture. And at that moment, the inspection's done, and then you clean up and haul off all the debris. So give me some examples of touch-up work that would need to be done. Usually when a crew is going through painting ceiling walls and trim, then there are always going to be what we call holidays in the business. That's absence of paint or absence of mind if the uh, painter actually skips something. So the uh, customer, we usually don't ask them to catch that. We'll get our magnet lights out and spot them very quickly, put up blue tape at times, and make sure everything's perfect before we leave. Okay. So uh, let's talk real quick about spray versus roll or brush. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when would you do – how do you decide that? If you're in new construction, not a lot of new construction painters will spray a house because they don't have the flooring down, they don't have the cabinets up, so they'll spray all the walls and ceiling and trim. In a house that's totally incorporated with furniture, the cabinets are up, you can never spray. There's only one exception. If people have that popcorn ceiling texture, you have to put plastic everywhere and you spray that because if you try to roll it, the crumbs will start coming yes. down. People- <laughs> It's amazing that we ever did popcorn ceilings to begin <laughs> mm-hmm. with. I mean, it's awful, right? I don't. Why would they? Why did they do popcorn ceilings? It's cheaper. To do that? It's cheaper. They have to float the uh, drywall once, and then they throw the texture and spray it, and they're done. So there's no acoustic benefit to that. It, a little bit, but not much. Not worth it, right? Mm-mm. That's such a mess. Everybody's asking us to take it down these days. I was. That was the next question I was going to ask: Is are people asking you to remove popcorn ceilings, and what's that process? It's a four-step process, sometimes five. Uh, You have to literally almost ask the customer to move out of the house because usually they want it in many rooms. And we can go through, if it's a large house, two weeks' worth of removal and reestablishing a good painted surface. That's uh, quite the process. Mm -hmm. I've seen them them scraping it and stuff like that, that, but it just seems like it would make such a massive mess. It does. All right, so when it comes to – so that's a good – any other notes on – interior painting that we missed? No, I think that's it uh, other than just make sure you hire the right team. Like I said, get one that's experienced and has a ton of referrals and people will check Angie's or other uh, things like next door. Find people that actually are bragged about online. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Referrals is kind of where it's at these days for everybody. 
but lots of referrals. Like when I'm buying off of Amazon, I, I need to see at least, you know, 20,000 reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, that's a lot of people buying a product, but whatever. All right. So when it comes to exterior paint, so we're talking about inside, but this, this idea of painting the exterior of the house is something that people, we put it off. It's not something we pay mm-hmm. much attention to because, well, it looks all right to me. What are some signs that uh, the exterior paint of our house needs to be redone? Well, you and I had talked about paint failures. And so one of the things I talk to people about is why their house looks like it does. Okay. So paint failures uh, have several things that are involved. Put it off too long and you have a paint failure. The sun will chalk up the paint. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And you have a paint failure. Or mildew or green algae will start eating through the top surface of the paint, which is usually has a satin sheen, and that ruins the job much quicker than it would if that would have been remedied throughout the, you know, couple of years, do a pressure wash, mildew bath. Mm. All right. So what's that, what's the process there? So you go out um, and then what, is this pretty quick or? No, no. Uh, what you do is walk the house with a customer using binoculars and catching all the wood damage. And usually if a homeowner's waited more than 10 years, then you know there's going to be a significant amount of wood damage. Caulk dries out or a cheap caulk was used in the beginning. And so with the sun heating of the day, cooling of the evening, you'll get the caulk cracking and allows moisture in. So you check for the wood damage first and peeling surfaces. And then you come up with the estimate, making sure that you've labeled every side of the house where there's a precipitating problem of uh, any wood damage or peeling. That's something you don't think about is how the paint actually protects the wood. It does. It does. Uh, sun will damage, like I said, chalking. When you have chalking on a house, you can go up to the garage dooring, rub your fingers on it, and it will look chalky. And the same for the siding. So you have to special treat that. You have to use trisodium phosphate substitute to actually scour it off with the pressure washer. So you shoot that on the uh, subsurface or the substrate first and make sure that it sits there for about 15 minutes. Then when you pressure wash it, it'll take off all the chalking along with the algae or the mildew. I had no idea because I know I have chalking on my garage door. Oh, great. So I I need to make sure. Well, that's something I know to look for now. So if a painting company, if they just come and they just spray over that, that's not the way that needs to be done. And a lot of companies will. They'll hide the woodwork. They'll hide the imperfections. If they actually paint a dirty house, then the paint will fail. Yeah. It'll fail a heck of a lot sooner than it would Mm -hmm. otherwise. Excellent. All right, uh, Charles, well, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? You can uh, reach us through our office number, uh, 210-403-3232, or you can reach us through our email at renovatepaint.com or info at renovatepaint.com. Got it. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. I always learn so much when we uh, we start digging into uh, these conversations with folks. I had no idea. That paint failure thing to me is amazing. All right, next up on the show is Daniel Sayers, an integrated pest and wildlife management expert and the owner of Wildlife X Team here in San Antonio. So, Daniel, yes. I, we have raccoons that hang around our house, right? But they're not inside my house that I, can, that I know of. So what are some signs that maybe we should be looking for that we have actually this wildlife incursion into our home? Sure. So especially when it comes to raccoons, yeah. you're going to hear something. They're so cute. <laughs> well, they are, uh, especially the babies. The yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, they're insane. So during baby season, we have a a blast, even though it's a lot more difficult process. But 
and as far as like finding out, you're going to see damage a lot of times, but most of the time you're going to hear something. Raccoons, uh, while they are incredibly intelligent, uh, they're blissfully unaware of how loud they are. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you're going to hear some noise. A lot of times, if you've had this problem going on for, for a while, you're going to begin to smell. They're, you know, smell something. You're going to hear, you're going to smell them, whether it is just the, the natural wildlife smell of them, because even, um, raccoons that uh, people will keep at their house, whether you wash them daily, they smell like a wild animal. <clears throat> but that being said, you're going to you're gonna see damage. You're definitely going to hear them. Okay, but let's expand on the smell a little bit. So, yeah. I mean, what is it that the raccoons are doing in, in the house? What kind of, I mean, I'm guessing they're going to the bathroom yes. in the house, so, right? But they're also, are they bringing, they don't kill things, right? I mean, they, they're, they're pretty much, are they vegetarian types? Or are they no, no, omnivores? Or no, what? raccoons are omnivores, Okay. Right? And uh, you can a lot of times tell what the raccoon is eating by their feces, right? It'll, it'll definitely tell you what their diet is heavily consistent of, okay. whether it has a lot of seeds in it, which would be fruits and nuts, or if it's a really, really dark, dark color, then you're probably talking about a lot of protein, right? right? Um, but they're not bringing things they kill into your house, or do you think? I mean, they will, yeah. Really? Especially they'll, they'll bring birds up there. Uh, they'll, if they come across a rodent in your attic, they will kill that. Uh, I mean, they're territorial just like anything. So if something else is up there, they're going to want to to kill it, not only just to, to be safe, but also because they can make it food. Okay. Uh, that smell is going to be feces and urine for the most part. And raccoons have basically what they what we would call latrines. So they're going to pick a spot and, and oh. just continuously go there. And then they will move on to some other spots. But the, you will notice when you're in an attic that has uh, raccoons or ringtails, they will pile up in certain areas. Right. Right. Okay. And then as far as damage, what kind of damage are they doing? Well, they tend, they love to go through chimneys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's one of their favorite parts. Chimneys, roof vents, and eaves or so roof returns. The chimney, chimneys part, why are they going through the chimneys? This was interesting. Right. So they like to go through chimneys a lot because it represents um, their habitat before we started putting houses everywhere, which is a hollowed out tree. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, it really is. And and, you, and it's really easy to see it all the time. Uh, you take like some of that older siding that's basically, you know, painted cardboard and the water will run across the bottom of it, right? And it, it's so easy. I mean, we can go up there and do this. So let alone a raccoon is going to find it, tear it open. And then usually it's going to, they're going to crawl in the, the chimney and then there's going to be an entry point somewhere into the attic. And then now they're in the attic. Wow. And when they get up in the attic, they, they will cause a lot of damage. Uh, they love to kind of walk the perimeter, right? So you'll, you'll go in an attic, and if you can't find feces or paw prints, which is usually some of the, the best ways to identify what's up there, you can just look around the attic, and all around the perimeter of that attic, the insulation will be matted down. Okay, well, that's a great thing that any homeowner can look at. Absolutely, yeah, and not have to be grossed out either. Yeah, right. right? And, and they typically, they kind of follow the same pattern on a regular basis, right? I mean, the, the, what they're doing for ingress and egress in, into the house and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the, one of the things I enjoy about what I do. Uh, animals are habitual. They don't do something because they just want to, for the most part. They're very purposeful. Yeah, everything is get up, go do this, to eat, to survive, you know, um, they don't know what time it is, really. They don't care. They don't care. No. They just know what time is it now. <laughs> like, you know. So uh, let, let's talk about this integrative pest management approach 
to dealing with maybe a home incursion or the possibility of a home incursion? Because you do both, right? You do preventive and you do like a problem resolution. So let's talk about your approach. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I love about IPM, which is Integrated Pest Management, um, and the short kind of definition for that is eco-friendly and common sense solutions there we go. to the problem. I like it. Right? Um, but what I love about IPM is if you kind of look at IPM and traditional pest control uh, as, a, as a game or a football game or a basketball game, traditional pest control, and not that there's anything wrong with it, but traditional pest control is playing defense, right? Okay. You, you've got something, we're going to set out something here and we're going to try to treat this issue. Whereas IPM is offense, right? We are taking, we're going to go and look at the situation Right, and then create a strategy that is designed to make this animal do what we want it to do. Gotcha. Okay, so that's the big difference: is you're not controlling the behavior of the right. animal so that you can, in in effect, get rid of it. Right. So IPM is basically going to be kind of a four step or a five step process, depending on who you talk to. But uh, four steps really. The first part is inspection. Okay, so you want to show up, do a thorough inspection, uh, just like Charles would do. Sure. Um, or any good company should do. So I usually start, I go around the base of the house, then I go on the roof, all right? And then lastly, I'm going to go in the attic. And then usually when I come out of the attic, I'm going to tell, you know, the homeowner, hey, I'm going to go outside, I'm going to wipe myself down, put some hand sanitizer on, I'm going to take another walk around the base of your house, and then I'll be in in about 10 or 15 minutes after I kind of go over all my pictures, put my notes in, and, and come up with a couple of different options for you. So you have your inspection first. The second part, okay, is assessment. So for, any, for us to have a good IPM strategy, we have to know what we're dealing with. Um, so we want to take that inspection, take that information that we've gathered from it. Where are the weaknesses in this structure? What did we find? What kind of feces did we find? What kind of paw prints did we find? What kind of damage did we find on the house? That way we can pick, okay, so we're dealing with a raccoon or we're dealing with a squirrel or we're dealing with rodents. Mm -hmm. And then we can start our third step, which is action or implementing an action strategy. So it helps a lot to know what you're dealing with to implement that strategy, right? Because if it's a raccoon, uh, our strategy is going to be to seal this house up and install what's called a one-way door on what's what I would say is their main entry point. And that's going to force them out. It's highly effective. It's really efficient. Uh, when it comes to rodents, we're not going to do that. We're going to seal everything up and then start a snap trapping program uh, just because I haven't had a lot of success getting rodents to go out one ways. They're just usually not strong enough. Um, and then the last step of IPM is reinspection or evaluation, right? So we're always going to go back, look at what we did. That's one of the great things about the one way is when you do that process and you leave a one way on there, we got to come back, take the one way off, and seal that hole. So you already have put your fourth step in, right? Your reinspection. Uh, same with snap traps. We're going to be back here for a full month checking it. So we're constantly going to be monitoring what has been going on. And that monitoring is to make sure that the animal didn't go through one of the repairs we made, or we didn't make a mistake, which is absolutely possible, especially when you get to a house that has 13 eaves and six roof vents mm -hmm. and four louver vents. It's really easy to make a mistake. It doesn't mean anybody did anything intentionally bad. It just happened. Um, but, but this is you being thorough. This is being thorough. And that's the very, very, very critical part of IPM is it is, it is very thorough, right? And it's designed. That last part is not only to catch your mistakes, but it's also to see if there's any way to learn Yep. From what, what we've done, is there anything that we could do better? Um, and that's why it's really important for us to have a, a really good relationship with our customer. They'll ask me, how do we get to know the animals are out? Well, we're going to have a game camera here, but no one's going to know better than you 
you tell me if you hear stop hearing that raccoon dragging that dead body up there, <laughs> <laughs> which is usually what they're going to tell. Yeah, because it's so like. loud, right? Yeah, everything's magnified when it's going across a roof. So, all right. So, what do you guys do with the trapped raccoons? Okay. Well, trapped raccoons or any animals that we trap, we're going to relocate them. Generally speaking, about 10 miles. You don't want to try to cross county lines. Texas Department of Agriculture doesn't like that very much, right? It's that, and, then, and then as far as what I've been told, it's their way of trying to keep diseases sure. and monitor that it, kind of stuff. But basically, 10 miles. Okay. But what, rats, you're not relocating rats, no, are you? No, we're not relocating rats. Yeah. Rats are doing fine. They, <laughs> they, they, we kill them. Um, we try to do everything really humane except for when it comes to rodents, right? I mean, roof rats are an invasive species, right? They're not. <laughs> Charles yeah. shakes his head. It, we uh, can take care of them. They're, they're, they're okay. We can let them go. They're doing fine. All right. And as far as last question is when it comes to like repairing damage and stuff like that, do you guys help with that or what, what are your limitations there or what is it that you do? No, we certainly do. Uh, one of the things when, like when we talk about IPM and that evaluation part and you're always trying to learn. Right. What is something else? So part of that is continuing to add services for our customers sure. that apply. Right. So we rebuild chimneys all the time. Right. And then we so we rebuild them. I only use Hardy Board in that case. Um, and then we are going to caulk and we're going to paint it. And, you know, uh, something that, that Charles would be able to do. We we're going to take on some of those parts. Right. Um, a lot of the damage that gets done is in the attic. Right. Um, and one of the things that Charles had said was micro dust, which was really interesting to me. Um, yeah, it was really, really interesting to me because up in the attic, you've got this urine, you've got the feces, and you've got your AC ducts running through there. And no matter how um, well an air conditioning company has put something together, there's just air leakage. It's common. It's not. It's just what's going to happen. So when you've got rodent feces up there, you've got raccoon feces up there, that those microfibers, microspores are in the air, mm-hmm. and then it's getting sucked into your air conditioning system, which is being, then being blown into your home and then eventually into your body, which is what will lead you to having allergy issues, um, having asthma, being sick. I mean, animals can make you sick. Yeah, it's all the more reason to get them out, right? Right. So what we do in that well, scenario is we're going to clean out the attic. We're going to come on there, mm-hmm. take everything, uh, all your insulation out, disinfect the odorize over the attic, mm-hmm. and then blow in new insulation. All right. Well, if uh, folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Absolutely. You can call our office at 210-502-3800, or you can email our office at office at wildlifexteam.com, or you can go to our website, which is www.wildlifexteamsanantonio.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Great job, guys. Uh, All right, as we wrap up the show, a quick reminder to check out our latest podcast and video versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at homebuyertalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us. Have a great week, and we'll see you on the next one.